little bit of special music that's going to surprise you. And then we'll get into our lesson. This is the first time I have not made what we're doing go with our lesson. But I thought we better stop and have some Christmas. I hope that's all right with you all. Do you recognize a miracle when it happens? It happened to a pastor who was very young. His church was very old. Once long ago, it had flourished. Famous men had preached from its pulpit and prayed before its altars. But now the good old days had passed from the section of town where it stood. But the pastor and his young wife, they felt that with They felt that with paint and hammer and faith, they could get it into shape. And together they went to work. But late in December, a severe storm whipped through the river valley, and the worst blow fell on that little church. A huge chunk of rain-soaked plaster fell out of the inside wall just behind that altar. And sorrowfully, the pastor and his wife swept away the mess, but they could not hide the rugged hole. The pastor looked at it and had to remind himself quickly, Thy will be done, Lord. But his wife wept. Christmas is only two days away. That afternoon, the dispirited couple attended an auction held for the benefit of a youth group. The auctioneer opened a box and, and shook out its fold, a handsome gold and ivory lace tablecloth. It was a magnificent item, nearly 15 feet long, but it too dated from a long-vanished era. Who today had any use for such a thing? There were a few half-hearted bids. And then the pastor was seized with what he thought was a great idea. He bid it in for $6.50. He carried the cloth back to the church and tacked it up on the wall behind the altar. It completely hid the hole. An extraordinary beauty of its shimmering handwork cast a fine holiday glow over the tinsel. It was a great triumph. Happily, he went back to preparing the Christmas sermon. Not a miracle. Just God's grace. But just before noon on the day of Christmas Eve, as the pastor was opening the church, he noticed a woman standing in the cold at the bus stop. The bus won't be here for 40 minutes, he called. Come into the church and get warm. And she told him that she had come from the city that morning to be interviewed as a job for a job as governess to the children of one of the wealthy families in this little town, but she had been turned down. She was a war refugee, and her English was imperfect. The woman sat down in a pew, and she shocked her hands and rested. After a while, she dropped her head, and she began to pray. She looked up at the pastor, who was beginning to adjust the great gold and ivory cloth across the hole. She rose suddenly and walked up the steps of the chancel. She looked at the tablecloth. The pastor smiled and started to tell her about the storm damage, but she didn't seem to listen. She took hold of the cloth, and she rubbed it between her fingers. It's mine, she said. It's my banquet cloth. She lifted up a corner and showed the surprised pastor that there were her initials monogrammed on it. She said, my husband had the cloth made especially for me in Brussels. There could not be another like it. A bit of a miracle? Ah, just happenstance. For the next few minutes, the woman and the pastor talked excitedly together. She explained that she was from Vienna, that she and her husband had opposed the Nazis and decided to leave the country. They were advised to go separately. Her husband put her on a train for Switzerland. They planned that he would join her as soon as he could arrange to ship their household goods across the border. She never saw him again, and later she heard that he had died in a concentration camp. I've always felt it was my fault to leave without him, she said. Perhaps these years of wandering have been my punishment. The pastor tried to comfort her and urged her to take the cloth with her, but she said, no, it belongs here, and she went away. 
As the church began to fill on Christmas Eve, it was clear that the cloth was going to be a great success. It had been skillfully designed to look its best by candlelight. After the service, the pastor stood at the doorway. Many people told him that the church looked beautiful, and one gentle-faced, middle-aged man who was the local clock and watch repairman looked rather puzzled. It's strange, he said in a soft accent. Many years ago, my wife, God rest her, and I owned such a cloth. In our home in Vienna, my wife put it on the table, and here he smiled, only when the bishop came to dinner. The pastor suddenly became very excited. He told the jeweler about the woman who had come to church earlier that day. The startled jeweler clutched the pastor's arm. Can it be? Does she live? And together, the two got in touch with the family in town who had interviewed her. Then they got in the pastor's car, and they started for the city. And as Christmas Day was born, this man and his wife, who had been separated through so many saddened Christmases, were reunited. <laughs> the storm had knocked a hole in the wall. The woman who stepped across the street, the tapestry hanging there in the church, the clock repairman who lived in that town, just a series of coincidences, right? I submit to you that life has been full, your life has been full of unnoticed miracles that have brought you to the very place that you are today with your family and your church and those who have been touched by the miracle God's leading in your life. Really? Really. If you, we're given this verse in the present tense, and I love it's in the present tense. For unto you a child is born, and unto you a son is given. Rejoice and give him praise. His hand has been guiding you all the way to bring you where you are, to be in contact with the people you meet in order that Christ born in you could come to live in them. Accident, your life, no. All of it a part of miracle and the hand of the mighty God who cares that much about you. <laughs> and secondly, a shorter story, but it goes with our acts of kindness, all right? It's just a small white envelope stuck in the branches of our Christmas tree. It's peeked through the branches of our trees for the past 10 years or so. It all began because my wife, Michelle, hated the commercializing of Christmas. The gifts grabbed in the last minute, desperation because you couldn't think of anything else. Knowing the way she felt, I decided this year to bypass the, the usual perfume and sweater it seemed I always bought her. I wanted something special just for her. The inspiration came in a most unusual way. Our son Kevin, who was 12 that year, was wrestling at the school he attended, and shortly before Christmas, there was a non-league match against a team sponsored by an inner-city church. These kids were dressed in sneakers so ragged that the shoestrings seemed to be the only thing holding them together. Our boys were in their spiffy blue and gold uniforms and sparkling wrestling shoes. As the match began, we saw the other team was wrestling without headgear. It was a luxury they couldn't afford. Well, we ended up walloping them. We took every weight class. Michelle, seated behind me, kept shaking her head and saying, sadly, I just wish they could win, win one match, just one. That's when the idea for her present came. That afternoon, I bought an assortment of wrestling headgear and shoes and sent them anonymously to the inner city church. On Christmas Eve, I placed the envelope on the tree, the note inside telling my wife what I had done and that this was her gift from me. Her smile was the brightest thing about Christmas that year. 
and in succeeding years. For each Christmas, I followed the tradition. One year, sending a group of handicapped youngsters to a hockey game. Once a check to a pair of elderly brothers whose home had burned the week before Christmas. On and on. The envelope became the highlight of our Christmases. It was always the last thing opened on Christmas morning, and our children, ignoring their new toys, would stand with wide-eye anticipation as their mother lifted the envelope from the tree to reveal its contents. Well, as the children grew, the envelope never lost its allure. The story doesn't end there. You see, we lost Michelle last year due to cancer. And when Christmas rolled around, I was so wrapped in grief that I barely got the tree up. But Christmas Eve found me placing an envelope on the tree, and in the morning, it was joined by three more. Each of our children, unbeknownst to each other, had placed an envelope on the tree for their mother. The tradition has grown and will expand even further with our grandchildren standing to take down the envelopes. Michelle's spirit, like the Christmas spirit, will always be with us. Will you remember that God gave us the very first Christmas gift, and then he hung it on a tree? Word of God, 
kingdom and its power resting now in this child. Prince of heaven, Jesus, hope of the only about half of us here missed out on that beautiful song. There's so much that we see in all that. I've, I got call after call about today of people that were not going to be able to be here. And of, of course, my Christmas activities too. But I'm glad you were here. And I worship this morning. And I really appreciate that we get to have this. And thank you guys so much for that beautiful song. And thank you, Loretta. Always a favorite. Okay, so let's just stand and we'll give the Lord a praise here and get some coffee and go into the other room. How about that? Father, thank you so much for your son. Oh, Lord, what a gift. It, it means life to us. And so we just want to stop this Christmas season and say thank you for putting him in a manger. For heaven's sake, thank you that means so much. Thank you for that. Father, help us this morning to just praise you with all of our hearts, and may we each of us go home praising Jesus and letting our families in the world know that we are changed because of him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 